Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Good morning, Living Hope. So good to see you all here. It's a good day. Because it's the first Sunday of baseball season, and and uh, so yeah. All right, I um, no, I'm not gonna go there. Okay, so I am excited. It's, it's, I love baseball season. It's just awesome. I loved uh, driving around town. I drove around town yesterday, but it was like uh, people mowing lawns and garage shells and all this. I was like, oh, spring is finally here. It's nice. It's nice. And baseball season, and baseball season. All right, so uh, we are kicking off a new series this week that we're calling Home Run. Now, the the kind of theme for this year we talked about is discipleship, and we are, uh, you know, we talked about what it means to mature as a disciple in Christ, the different kind of stages of maturity that we go through, Uh, and then I mentioned that there are kind of three primary relationships in your life where you need to kind of learn how to be a disciple of Christ in the, within the context of those relationships. The first one being the series we just finished up, your relationship with the church. And uh, that's a very uh, powerful, meaningful relationship in your life. The one we're starting today is your relationship with your home or your personal life. Now, if you're single and you're like, oh, it's going to be another family series or whatever, it's not really entirely a family series. It's just about your individual personal home life, so to speak. And so we are going to hit some family stuff, but it's not all about family. Uh, And then we're going to, the third relationship being our relationship with the world around us, our community and, and that sort of thing. We'll get to that eventually. Uh, but kind of zeroing in on this topic now, um, um, you know, our, our home life and just how we uh, manage, the, you know, being a, a disciple of Christ within our, the most personal areas of our life. <clears throat> now, we're going to start today uh, with the topic of marriage. The title is uh, um, Hall of Fame Marriages and what it looks like to, to build a Hall of Fame marriage, a marriage that will go the distance. Uh, as LC mentioned, we had a great day yesterday. Got to see one marriage start uh, with uh, Jake and Amber. That was a beautiful thing. And then, um, and then also uh, got to celebrate with Terry and Veronica their 30th anniversary, another beautiful thing. And it's just so cool to see marriages, uh, you know, hit those big numbers because honestly it gives us hope and it gives us excitement. I, I'm a big late night talk show junkie. I love the late night talk shows and, and I can't hardly ever sleep. And so it goes well with my, you know, with me. So anyway, so I, I, I love, you know, whenever one of those Hollywood types comes on the show and they're interviewing them, they ask them about their, you know, how long they've been married or whatever. And, and I don't know if you noticed, but anybody in Hollywood, if they ever say, uh, yeah, we just celebrated 10 years. It's like the crowd just erupts. Like, like, yeah, 10 year, 10 Hollywood years is like a hundred normal people years. And, you know, <laughs> it's just like, you know, just so, I mean, it's a big, Big deal when marriages hit those big benchmarks, and and I love it. You know, last year about this time we did a marriage series, and and it just worked out where Dean and Joanna were celebrating their fiftieth last year, and and uh, and and to see you know marriages that that kind of kind of make it that far is it, it is it just gives us hope, and it's just we're we're you know we live in a society where it's not common, it's not the norm. You know, you guys know the statistics about half of all marriages fail, and and uh, and to see one that that makes it and goes, you know, you know, beyond the average length of a marriage is, 
is, uh, it's just a big deal in our society nowadays. It's kind of a sad statement about our society, but, it, but still, it's, uh, it, it's cool. It, it makes us feel great to celebrate those, uh, you know, those benchmarks with people. Um, and so this is what I know about marriage. I've been, uh, next year, Jamie and I will have been married 20 years. And, uh, and not yet, not yet. And so uh, <laughs> there's, we, just, we still got a year to go. Let's see how it goes, okay? So anyway, <laughs> so, anyway so we, uh, we're, you know, we're, 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 you know, we've been married a good long time now. And, uh, you know, and so I've learned, you know, a lot of things about marriage. And this is what I know. And, you know, Jamie and I have always been very transparent with you all about our marriage. I wish I could be the pastor that, that says, you know, do everything I've done in marriage and everything will work out fine. And, and instead, I'm like, I can tell you what not to do, how it's going to go bad for you, you know, and that sort of thing. And so, I, you know, we have, we've had a lot of ups and downs in our marriage, especially kind of early on. And, um, you know, just, um, I, and a lot of that was revolved around some issues that we're going to talk, talk about here in just a little bit. But it is, uh, marriage is difficult, Marriage is difficult. Used to, I don't, I'm not, I don't do this so much anymore, but used to when I did premarital counseling with people, um, I did everything I could to talk them out of getting married. Because my thought is, if I can talk you out of getting married, then uh, it, it'll save you from talking yourself out of it later on. Uh, because it is, I mean, it is, I, I say this all the time, that being married to the same person for your entire life, I think is maybe the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. It's difficult. There are times in, in, the mar- in your marriage where it just gets difficult. Now, some of you who are, uh, you know, maybe newlyweds or maybe you're engaged or whatever, maybe you're having a hard time imagining how that could ever be possible. Or maybe you're single and maybe you're a teenager or something, you're thinking, well, how, why would it be so difficult? You pick the person you're in love with. Why would that not go great? And, and I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that there are times it doesn't go great. Jamie and I, ha- I think, have a very healthy marriage and, and a very happy marriage, but there are still seasons when I would say probably both of us wake up going, I really don't feel like being married to you today. Right? Right? Just like, I'm just not, I'm just not feeling it today. Not feeling it. And, and, and it is, it, there are times you will go through, there's an old uh, Marilyn Monroe movie called The Seven Year Itch. Uh, you may have seen The Seven Year Itch. It's, a, it, it's about a, <laughs> nobody's seen it. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, anyway, it's a it's a it's an all right movie, but it's about a guy. You know, back in the day, I guess these these kind of these uh, uh, you know big city businessmen type guys uh, during the summertime, uh, and I think it was partly because there wasn't a lot of air conditioning and things like that. But they would send their families off to the country uh, for vacation while they stayed back in the city and continued working, and they would you know have these time periods of time like that, and and uh, and so there, it revolves around this guy who has sent his family away, and he's going through that seven year itch period where he's getting a little kind of rest, restless, <coughs> excuse me, or disillusioned in his marriage, and kind of being tempted by Marilyn Monroe, and that's sort of, the reason that whole cliche of the seven year itch is such a popular cliche is because there's some truth behind it. That I've seen it in my own marriage, I've seen it in so many of your marriages as well, that you, you take a marriage about every, say, six to eight years, somewhere in that time frame, a lot of marriages will go through this, this kind of um, crisis uh, of, in, their, in their relationship, almost like, you know, where you're questioning, you know, is, 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 are we still as close as we used to be? Should we even keep going on this? Think, you know, you're not clicking the way you used to click, and things are a little off. And, 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 and what I've seen is that those relationships who will kind of, 
you know, the, the, the couples who will kind of put their head down and, and drive through that to the other side uh, and not kind of get so disillusioned that they give up on their marriage during that, that frame of time, um, they find a, a much more beautiful marriage on the other side of that. But there will be times in your life that, um, I'm just going to say it, love's not enough. You're like, wow, Jeff, you know. <laughs> really? Really, I thought love was always enough. And I'm just telling you, no. Um, what was the old 80s hair band that was like, love sucks? Remember that song? Remember that? Stink. There you go. Love stinks. That's right. That's, they actually were much cleaner in their version than I just was. I apologize. But, so anyway, so anyway, no, love stinks. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about love is that love is great. I'm not down in love. I'm, I'm, I'm a big love guy. I love love, right? Okay. The problem with our idea of love is that we view love as an emotion, and love is not an emotion. Love is an action, and it's a choice. It's an action, and it's a choice. There will be times that you don't feel in love with the person that you have you know, gone into a marriage with. There will be times you're not feeling it. But if you can make the choice that even though I'm not feeling it, I'm still in this, that is love. That is love. Despite what you're feeling, if you will act out love, if you will make a choice to love, even when you're not feeling it, that is where true love really kicks in and carries you through the dark times. And what I want to challenge you to be is, as a people, <coughs> whether you're married or whether you're single, you know, going to be someday in a marriage or whatever, to make a decision that I will not uh, rate the health of my marriage based on how I feel about it from day to day, but instead I will choose love every day. I will act out in love every day. Marriage is work. It, it is hard work. And it's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not even anything that's so you know, fantastical or, or extra special about marriage. Any relation that you have where you're living in close proximity with someone gets difficult. If you're roommates with your best friend, guess what? I've seen many best friend relationships completely fall apart by becoming roommates. Anybody else seen that? Anybody else been that? Yeah. I mean, you see that happen all the time. When you live in close proximity with with a person, it becomes difficult to, uh, you know, maintain positive you know, feelings about that relationship all the time. But love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is an action, okay? So what we're going to do, now I could, I don't have time to really completely preach the topic of marriage. You know, I, I, we did a series on it last year, five or six week series on it last year. You can go look up the podcast. There's a good series. Uh, but just for kind of a one-shot marriage sermon today, uh, I'm going to kind of get, you know, give you kind of the quick and dirty about marriage, okay? And, it, and I want to talk a little bit about how God established marriage, why it's so important that, that he, he established marriage the way he established it. And then we're going to talk about how to, you know, a couple of quick tips to, to, to help your marriage go the distance, okay? Now, before I go there, I want to say real quickly, I realize that every time, um, you know, if, if I do a, a topic like this, that is specific to, say, marriage or specific to parenting or whatever, um, that for some of you in the room, that's going to be a painful topic for you to have to listen to um, for, for a lot of different reasons. Either you're sitting on the other side of a failed marriage 
Uh, maybe your spouse passed away. Uh, maybe you're a single person who has been wanting to be in a marriage relationship for a long, long time, and it's just not happening. Um, you know, you know, whatever the case may be, there are some, for some of you to sit and listen to this, it can be a little bit, uh, you know, double-edged and a little bit painful. And so I don't want to be insensitive to that. And so um, we're, we're going to get into, I'm going I'm to talk, you know, about why marriage or one of the aspects, in just a second, I'm going to talk about one of the aspects of marriage and how it applies to us spiritually. And when I get there, I'm going to explain, I'm, I'm going I'm to come back up and explain why um, this does not exclude you, okay? This is not, does not exclude you at all. And, and for those of you who are single, maybe looking to be married someday, uh, this is the time for you to be taking notes. Uh, it's a time to be kind of logging this information back to say, okay, once, you know, I, you know, once God provides that relationship for me, then uh, these are the things I need to look for. These are the way I need to behave in a marriage and that sort of thing. And so, so anyway, try to apply it to, to you as much as possible. So let's, let's start with Genesis chapter 2. Turn over to Genesis chapter 2. It's the um, first book of the Bible, right after the table of contents. All right, Genesis 2. Oh, verse 18. I just wet my phone. All right. I have that problem. <laughs> All right, so Genesis 2, uh, start with verse 18. So God has created the universe, and I mean everything. He created it all, and step by step, each day was like, man, I created that, and I was awesome. That was good. You know, he's, he's, he tell, calls everything good, right? And so now we're getting to the point, and we read this scripture a couple of weeks ago. We're going to reread it kind of in a different context today. Um, we get to this point where <laughs> he sees something about his creation, about his perfect creation, that was not good. And we pointed out a few weeks ago that this was something that this, this, this happens. He notices that this is not good before sin comes into the world. So in his, in his perfect paradise of a creation, he's able to spot something that he created, the way he created something that was not good before sin enters the world, before the world has fallen. This thing is not good. And so here's, here's where it is. Verse 18, chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, <coughs> It's not good that the man should be alone. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Okay? So he's created all the animals and all the fish and all the birds and all the universe and everything else. Everything's so good. He sees Adam, the one man that he created, and he says, Okay. It's not good for him to be alone. It's not so. What I'm going to do is he says, I'm going to make a helper fit for him. Now, that's a very important phrase. I want to hang on just a little bit. That God creates a helper for Adam that is fit for him. And he goes on to create a woman. We're going to get there in just a second, okay? Now, as you know, you guys know I'm not a big, you know, romantic comedy type guy. That's just not my thing. Um, in fact, they kind of disgust me. And so <laughs> it's, not, it's not even that it's just, not, I, I pretty much abhor them. And so anyway, um, except for Fever Pitch, because that one was about baseball and that was pretty good. Okay. So um, anyway, but there was, um, you, you know, one of the, one of my, one of my, mo- the ones I hate the most is, a, is one called Jerry Maguire. And, and, and it's because of this one line there at the end where it's like, he goes, you complete me, right? 
And I've talked before about how ridiculous that whole you know, thing is that, that if you're looking for another person to fully complete you, uh, you're setting yourself up for failure because no one person can ever do that for you. Only God can. Only God can. Now, let, let me soften that blow for you guys a little bit and just say that when God created a helper fit for him, um, what happens is on some level, Adam found, well, let me finish reading this real fast, okay? I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here we go. Um, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called every living creature. That was its name. And the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And, uh, and then the man said, that, that, by the way, that's a, you know, we brushed through that so quickly. Because if you've read it for a bunch of times before, you just kind of brushed through that, you know that God took this rib and made a woman. Um, but, like, does anybody remember that old movie in the 80s, Weird Science? Pretty much the same plot, right? I mean, I mean like, oh, how are we going to make a woman? And so, anyway, okay, so, uh, then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And therefore man shall leave his father and his mother, and all the parents said amen, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And everybody else said amen. All right. So, so God uh, presents, because uh, there's no helper fit for him, God makes a helper fit for Adam. And as soon as Adam wakes up, you know, from his, you know, God surgery, then he sees the woman and it's like he has this light bulb moment. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I'm going to call her woman because she came from me. And, and it's just like suddenly there's a part of his life that makes sense. And so in a really weird way, he found somebody that partially completed him. Partially completed him. Now, if you're, <clears throat> I would hope that if you're married that you had a, a similar experience when you met your spouse. Um, not the, you know, knock you out in secret surgery and taking the organs out or anything like that, but, but the whole thing of, um, I, when I met Jamie, you know, we started dating in college, um, I knew I was going to marry Jamie. Very quick, very, very, I, I would say within a day or two of dating her, I knew I was going to marry Jamie. And, um, and my grandpa knew too. And <laughs> he told, that's a whole nother story anyway. So <laughs> anyway, um, but it was, I mean, I just, I just knew now we, we dated, we were very immature. We dated for two and a half years and eventually broke up, uh, just because like I said, we were immature and, and, uh, and so we, we were apart for about a year and a half. And then we came back together and got engaged and got married. Uh, but in that year and a half that we were apart, um, and I'm still looking for who's going to be the future Mrs. Jeff Myers. Every girl that I dated, every single one, 
um, was measured against the, the bar that Jamie had set. Every single one. And not one measured up to that bar. Not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Are you hearing that, Jamie? I'm just, I'm just making sure you're hearing that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Seriously, though, not even close. Okay? And then when Jamie and I got back together and we started dating again and we're, we're engaged and, and that sort of thing, I, I, I just knew that there was something about Jamie that I needed in my life. Not just wanted, but needed. Like, I was a better person with her in my life. I, and it is that whole kind of, um, well, put that next slide up. The next point is this, that um, God can use marriage to help you discover your purpose and your identity. Now, marriage is not going to be uh, your purpose and your identity necessarily, or your, your purpose and your identity is not bound up in another person. But God can use marriage as a tool to help you discover your purpose and your identity. It doesn't mean you have to be in a marriage to, have, to discover your purpose or identity. It just means that when there's another person in the room, you may get to your purpose and identity a little quicker, right? Or I, maybe I just needed the boost or whatever that was, right? But there was something about, uh, you know, in being in that relationship with Jamie that I just knew I needed her in my life, that God be, was revealing things to me about myself through her. There was a point when we were, we were dating, and I was kind of in a spiritual crisis in my life, you know, really kind of struggling in my faith. Not struggling in my faith in terms of, oh, I'm just eaten up with temptation and sin or anything like that. No, and kind of the opposite. I was working for God as hard as I could possibly work for God. I taught every Sunday school class I could teach. I volunteered in every way in the church I could possibly volunteer. I was leading music. I was, you know, organizing trips and events. Anything I could do, I was saying, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And as much as I was trying to do for God, I still could not feel peace spiritually. I could not sleep. I could hardly eat at times. I know it's hard for you to believe now, but there was a point. And, uh, but anyway, it was like, I just could not feel peace in my life spiritually. I remember one night out on a date with Jamie, and we're talking, and I'm kind of sharing this with her, and, and kind of out of the blue, she says, you need to be preaching. And the light went on, and immediately I knew she was right. Immediately I knew she was right. And I hated her for it. Because I didn't really want to be a preacher, and that's a whole other story. But, but, but anyway, once I you know, surrendered myself to God in that area of my life, I felt immense amounts of joy and just a purpose in my life and a new kind of identity of who I was in Christ. And, and that was God used Jamie to reveal that to me. Because there, do you guys know that there are certain times in your life about certain aspects of your life that you have blind spots about your own life? You know what I'm talking about? Like, everybody else can see it, but you can't because you're too close to the situation or you're too dumb or whatever the situation might be. And it t- sometimes it takes another person to say, I think this is what it is. And then when you hear that truth, it's like, ding. You know, the, the, the light just goes on. Lights don't typically ding, but you guys know what I'm getting at. And, and you know, it, it's just good like that. 
God has this way of taking, of, of putting us in, in a marriage. And when, now again, the theme, the theme of this year is discipleship. I could, I could pre- preach a generic, uh, you know, marriage kind of self-help sermon and give you a lot of good kind of self-help, healthy marriage tips from the Bible or whatever. But what I want to talk about this morning is what it looks like when a godly man and a godly woman do marriage together. As disciples, as disciples, and, and when you are walking in the same direction spiritually with another person, you're on mission together, um, it is amazing how God can use your spouse to sharpen you and you to sharpen your spouse. It's, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I love the way that You know, I, I was you know talking about the whole uh, blind spot thing earlier. Um, you guys know, uh, six years ago, I guess I was uh, I, I was told I got type two diabetes or whatever, and and uh, and so if you if you if you're a diabetic or have ever been around one, you know it, it's a it's a real struggle. It's hard to you know eat right and stay on your medication and all that kind of stuff. It just it's just it's just a struggle. And so, um, but I got a good doctor who you know. Um, nags at me a lot and, and just is a great godly man and, and you know, trying to take care of me. And so he's always checking on me. And so anyway, um, a, a few weeks ago, I had noticed I was having some strain in my, in my left eye. And, I, um, and so I didn't think a lot about it at first because I had just had my glasses changed. And, and, uh, but then uh, about a week or so ago, I, I, I was kind of playing with my eyes and I could tell I had a definite blind spot in my left eye, and that's you know if if you don't if you if you don't if you let your diabetes go out of control you can go you know it affects your eyes you can go blind, and so of course I got a little scared I don't want to be blind and it was just a very small just very very small spot in the center of my vision, and um, so I called the doctor I was like yeah we got to look at this and so he he goes in and and uh, so we went up changing my medication and um, blind spot's gone now there you go right okay so but it. There is that, when you have a blind spot in your vision, it is so distracting. Um, and, and, and the fact that it took me so long to even realize I had a blind spot there, I, I just mistook it for, you know, I'm tired or stressed or whatever else. In my marriage, it's so helpful for me to have Jamie because she does a really good job of helping me see my blind spots. And when I say that, I don't want you to hear me say that she just nags at me about all my faults, because that's not what she does. Um, She loves me enough that when she sees me moving spiritually in an unhealthy direction, she'll sit down on the couch with me, put her arm around me, and talk to me about it, tell me how much she loves me, and how can I help, and how can I pray for you, and that sort of thing. And I do the same thing with her. (laughs) When you have that person that is... Moving in the same direction. Now, like I said er- earlier, it's not always easy being married. It's not, it's not always easy. Jamie and I, we go from holy wedlock to holy headlock in like 10 seconds. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not easy. I, 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 I used to, you know, tell people that, you know, I, I think it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Now, While there might be days that we wake up 
feeling like uh, I'm not feeling marriage today. Um, what has got us through those hard seasons of life has been primarily that we are on mission together. We are on mission together. That we are walking in the same direction, pursuing God, <coughs> following his will for our lives. We are on mission together. And when you can find a, a, a sense, uh, and I've seen this happen, you know, we've got a lot of newlyweds in the church right now. And I've seen this happen with a lot of, uh, of you that have been, you know, recently married. And it's such a joy to see when the two of you come together and start really just pursuing God and pursuing his work as a couple. And you do it in a way that is so much more beautiful than you were maybe even doing it when you were single. Um, because you're on mission together. You're on mission together. Now, there will be some of you um, that God will call uh, to a single life. There'll be some of you that God will call to a single life. And I do, again, I don't want you to hear me say uh, that you are incomplete if God has called you to that life because that is not true. Because where God will use Jamie to help me see things more clearly or get a firmer grasp on who I am in your life, God will step up and do it himself. And he will be sufficient. He will be everything that you need. Everything that you need. And you should count it an honor to be called to that lifestyle. Absolutely count it an honor. In fact, the apostles in the Bible encourage it. Encourage it. Paul says, if you cannot get married, that's my advice. Why? Because you can serve God so much more fully and so much more, you can be so much more engaged and not have to worry about, you know, how it impacts, you know, your, your decision, decisions are impacting a family or whatever. You can just go, go, go for God, right? You should count it an honor to do that way. God takes a marriage and he uses it to reveal things about ourselves and help us feel a little bit more with a sense of purpose and identity and things just kind of click and it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I want to talk, before we close, I want to talk a little bit about kind of some advice on, on helping your marriage go the distance. And I could list off a hundred pieces of advice but I really think they would all boil down to these two things. And I, I was trying to think this week, what is, you know, what could I share? Because there's, there's so many great sermons and books and everything out there that you should, so much better than what I'm talking about right now that you should go read. And, um, but I was just like, what, to me, well, what is the, what's, the, what's the critical things? And so it's, it's these two things right here, two pieces of advice. You need to grow up and you need to be nice. Just freaking grow up. Grow up. Marriage is, is just this lifelong exercise of growing up. You got to grow up. I'm serious. Please grow up. It, 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 I, I talk to people in, you know, hurting marriages often, and, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to discourage you from, if, if, if I can help you guys in any way, by all means, come see me. I will, I will try. Sometimes it's good to have a third party mediator, whatever, to kind of help you see clearly about some things. But it almost always boils down to these two things, and primarily the first one. You just need to grow up. You need to, and, and, and can I tell you, growing up is not about age. There are some of you that are 50, 60, 70 years old that need to grow up. You need to grow up. 
You know, when you're a kid and you think um, about growing up, you think, man, I can't wait till I grow up because I'm going to make all the decisions. I'm going to have all this freedom and get to do whatever I want to do. And, you know, I get to set my own rules. And, 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 and it, it, parents kind of feed into that too because don't we, tell, we usually tell our kids, you know, hey, when you move out of this house and you're making your rules, then, then you, can, you can make the rules. But for now, I'm making the rules, you know, you know, that sort of thing. And so we tend, as kids, we think that way. Man, I'm going to, you know, I'll do whatever I want. I'll just set my own rules and, and, and everything's going to be great. But then if you're smart, if you listen to people around you, you're going to learn something. And the quicker you learn this fact, the better off you'll be. That sometimes the most grown-up thing to do is to not exercise all the freedom that you have. Sometimes the most grown-up thing to do is to not do everything just because you can. That when you become a person who begins to think more about the needs of the people in your life that you love than you think about your own needs or your own wants or whatever, and you start beginning to think unselfishly about those people, especially in this, in, in, you know, in this instance, your spouse, you begin to think about you know, putting their needs first instead of your own needs first all the time, and it's, it's the, that's, that's growing up. That's growing up. And, and there's so many of you that just need to simply grow up. You need to be nice. You tell our kids, don't you tell your kids this all the time? Parents, don't you get sick of telling your kids this all the time? Like, would you just be nice? Right? Like, why do you got to punch her in the face for no reason at all? Just be nice. Don't call her that name. Just be nice. Right? I mean, you just like, why, why can't you? You have this brother and you have this sister and you should love each other. Just be nice. Right? And we need to hear the same advice in our own marriage relationship. You just need to be nice to your spouse. Be nice to them. And I know that sounds really shallow and maybe petty or whatever, but it's true. You know, the Bible talks about how husbands should uh, treat their wives as the weaker vessel. And that's very offensive to some people. But it's only offensive if you don't know what it means. And when the Bible says, you know, to husbands, treat your wives as, as you would the weaker vessel, the image it's conjuring up there is uh, uh, fine porcelain. Treat her delicately. Treat her with care. Is there any woman who doesn't want to be treated with care? <laughs> I want to be treated with care, <laughs> Right? That you would take, that you would have your wife and you would treat her as if she is something valuable to you. Someone who is valuable to you. Treat her with care. Just be nice. One of the greatest things, men, that you can learn to do is to develop this quality of gentleness. Gentleness. I know some of you are like, there's nothing gentle about me. Right? I get that a little bit. But I'm telling you, your wife, your kids, there are times they need a soft place to land. And when you can be that for them, I don't think there's anything more beautiful. I don't think there's anything better. Develop gentleness. Wives, <coughs> you need to be nice too. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, some of you guys are getting ready to leave. Go ahead and start packing up your purses. Here we go. All right. <laughs> I know you guys don't like to be called nags. I know. I've made that mistake before. I know it doesn't go well, right? <laughs> I know you don't like to be called nags. 
but some of you are. Some of you are. Some of you absolutely are. You will never nag your man into becoming a better man, ever. You can encourage him and build him up into becoming a better man. You can build yourself a better man by the words of, of, of the, the positive words, the encouraging words, the words of faith in him, the words of confidence in him that you speak into his life. You can do that. There's a proverb. This is in the Bible. There's a proverb. It's one of my favorite verses. It should be a, it should, it, they should put it on bumper stickers. It's so great. Um, but there's a proverb that says, it is better for a man to live on the corner of a rooftop than in the house with a nagging woman. That's in the Bible. That's, that's why the Bible's so great, right? It is better for a man to, like, gargoyle hunched over on the corner of a rooftop. That's better than to live in the house with a nagging woman. And you're, and you, woman, I, I get it. You can be say, you can say, you don't know, you don't know my man. He's such a loser. He doesn't work. He, he, he doesn't, he never takes care of us. He's not a spiritual leader. I have to do everything. He, he treats me bad. He calls me names. He does all whatever. He wastes all our money. And, 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 and okay, all of that's true. Let's say all of that's true. It still doesn't change the fact that God feels sorry that he has to live with you. Stop nagging. Stop it. You want a better man? Then speak a better man into him. Speak, him, you know, speak words that build him up. Speak words that build him up. Care for him. In the same way he's called to care for you. Care for him. Grow up and be nice. Grow up and be nice. Now, like I said, I do, I do a lot of marriage counseling. And this is it. That's the whole counseling right there. Everything else is just details. Everything else is just details. People will come in and see me. And again, I'm not discouraging you to come see me. Come see me by all means. If I can help in any way, I want to help. But sit down and I'll usually let people say, okay, what's going on? And well, you know, he's not doing this. And he won't, you know, he's, he says this and she's not doing this. And you know, they go back and forth and all this kind of stuff. And almost every single time, almost every single time, I'm sitting across the desk going, yeah, Jamie and I had that same argument last week. Welcome to life. Welcome to life. Your marriage is no more disastrous than anybody else's. You just are both immature and you need to grow up. You need to grow. I don't, I don't usually get that harsh right away. It takes several <laughs> sessions. It takes several sessions before I roll out the big guns usually. But... but but you just, you, you got you to gotta grow up. You got to be nice to each other. This is hard work. Marriage is hard work. Marriage is hard work. What was the last phrase of that, uh, the last verse that we read said, and the man and his wife were both naked. Everybody say naked. You guys just said naked in church. And we're not ashamed. <laughs> the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Naked. They weren't naked. We had this conversation the other day. Yeah. I'm from Oklahoma. If you're naked, you're naked before you're married. You're naked after you're married, okay? So, uh, so don't be naked. Just be naked, okay? So anyway, so they were naked and not ashamed. Now, this is good. This is very good, okay? 
you guys need to get naked. And I, and I, mean, I mean that in two ways. One, literally, it's not going to hurt. Not going to hurt your marriage. The second, spiritually. Spiritually. You need, a single people in the room, if you're looking for somebody to marry, you need to look for someone who you can be 100% completely, emotionally, spiritually naked in front of. This is who I am. I don't feel like I have to hide anything from you. I feel like I can tell you anything. One of the reasons I, I love my wife so much, I know, and I know from, from talking to people, this is not the case in every marriage, and I would just say if it's not the case in your marriage, work to make it this case. But one of the reasons I love my wife so much is I can be 100% honest, 100% myself in front of her. And I stand up here as your pastor, and I'm telling you, that is not always pretty. It is not always pretty. I have gone to Jamie and been vulnerable and revealed things I've been going through or things I've been thinking or things I've been struggling with, and it is not always pretty. And she has always, from the day we were married, always been the type of wife who will listen to me, even if what I'm sharing with, even if what I'm sharing with her might sting her a little bit. She will listen to me, she will say, how can I help? How can I pray for you? You know you can get through this. You know you don't have to keep going back to that sin. You know, whatever it is I'm struggling with. Whatever it is, she, she is always there for me, ready to embrace. And what I have seen in so many marriages that just struggle so hard is that when one spouse gets naked, gets vulnerable in front of the other spouse and admits a weakness or admits a fault, admits even a, a, a a sin or whatever you want to call it. And that other spouse, you have a choice of how you're going to respond to that information. You can either respond angry and judgmental or you can be the source of your spouse's healing. You can do what Jesus did for you and choose to be the source of your spouse's healing. And when you take that information And you just simply say, you know what, I, I hate that you're going through this. You, you know it's not right or whatever, you know, whatever that conversation looks like. I'm here for you. Now, there, there might be a time that your, your spouse shares something with you that is just devastating. I don't want to be, I don't be um, insensitive to that. There might, you might be, be in a situation where your spouse shares information with you that is devastating to you, devastating to your marriage. And again, you have a choice. You might need to call in some help. You might need to call in some help. Somebody to help you maneuver through that. You might struggle at whether or not you should give them a second chance or whatever. But my advice is as often as you believe you are able to forgive and give your spouse second chances. Forgive and give your spouse spouse second chances. Allow them. It's, can, I, can, I, can I just tell you? I, I don't know how it works for ladies. I'm just going to tell you what, how it works for guys. It's uncomfortable for us to be vulnerable. It's uncomfortable. 
We don't do it very easily. When a guy finds a friend at some point in his life, another guy that he can be vulnerable with and kind of share hurts and things he's struggling with and things like that, that's a, that's a special relationship. It's not, a, it's not a small thing at all. And when a guy finds a, a woman whom he can share his life with and feels like I can be myself around her and share whatever I might be going through and put myself out there and be a little bit vulnerable, that, that's not a small thing either. I assume it's similar for women too, but, but this is what you need to know. Be that soft place for each other to land. We're not perfect. You're no more perfect than your spouse is. We're not perfect. So choose forgiveness. Choose love, not just the feeling. The feeling goes away. The feeling, you know, it comes and goes, I should say. But you choose it. You act on it. If you act on it long enough, and if you choose, on it, choose it long enough, the feeling returns. Things in the mountaintops get even higher. The mountaintops get even higher. Choose it. Grow up. Be nice to one another. Got it? All right. I'm going to assume you do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Uh, your word is good to us, and we thank you so much for establishing marriage the way that you established marriage and that you have given us, uh, for those of us you have called, that you have called to that, you have given us um, a helper fit for us. For those of us in the room uh, that maybe be uh, preparing ourselves to meet that helper fit for us, God, I pray that you would draw us uh, closer into a relationship with you so that we can be the man or the woman that uh, our future spouse deserves. God, for those of us that are in marriages right now, <clears throat> give us every ounce of um, love and patience and wisdom, everything that we need to have marriages that go the distance, God. Mature us and help us to grow up in ways that might even be uncomfortable. God, ultimately, I thank you so much that... Um, you know, your word is pretty clear that our, our marriages should be, <coughs> should be reflections of your relationship with us. And I, I thank you that ultimately you are the one who completes us. That you are the one who provides for us, who will always be there to forgive us. Whom we ultimately find our sense of purpose and identity and I pray that that would continue God that you would just continue to mature us and grow us up God for marriages in the room that might be struggling today uh, and they're questioning whether or not they should even <laughs> stay married uh, God I, I pray that you would break through that and begin to change their hearts um, that they would choose to love each other on days even when they don't feel it and that eventually God you would just do a miracle in their life and help them to break through that God you're so good to us and, and uh, we just we love you so much and we love that we get the opportunity to worship you today so lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go and we pray all these things in Jesus name